Welcome to Telling Future Generations, the radio ministry of Child Evangelism Fellowship of Illinois. Now here's your host, Dr. Katrina Forseth, a missionary serving as State Director of CEF of Illinois. Hi, and thank you for listening to Telling Future Generations. A few months ago, Child Evangelism Fellowship International Headquarters in Warrington, Missouri, contacted me, specifically the Education Department, concerning their developing a new training track for CEF local directors. They asked me if I would put together a five-part Bible study devotionals from the Book of Nehemiah that focused on leadership. So since midsummer until now, I've been doing a deep dive into the book of Nehemiah, and currently I have four of the five Bible lessons completed with one more to go. If you're familiar with the book of Nehemiah, the overriding storyline is how one man was burdened and called by the Lord to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down and the gates burned to the ground as a result of an enemy attack and an all-out war against Jerusalem. Now, here we are today, over 2,400 years later, and Jerusalem and the land of Israel is under attack again, and there is a war brewing in the Middle East as we speak. When you think about the book of Nehemiah that was written 2,400 years ago, you may say to yourself, well, what can I possibly learn from someone that is 2,400 years removed in time? The answer, much, because this is God's word. The overview of the life of Nehemiah, God's ordained servant, whom God used to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, can be summarized in three main descriptions of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a man on a mission, a man of prayer, and a man of extraordinary leadership. First, Nehemiah was a man on a mission. He viewed his work as being on mission for God, as his job from God to do. Before we dig deeper into the life of Nehemiah, it's important to first step back and understand the book of Nehemiah in its historical context, first like in a wide-angle view of how Nehemiah fits into the whole structure of the Bible, and then from a more close-angle view of what was happening at that specific time, particularly in the life of the Jewish nation. Did you know that chronologically, the book of Nehemiah is the last historical book in the Old Testament? All the other books in the Bible fit into the timeline between Genesis and the book of Nehemiah, including all the writings like Psalms and Proverbs and all the major minor prophets from Isaiah through Malachi. Again, from this wide-angle view chronologically and historically speaking, Nehemiah is the last book of the Bible which occurs in the biblical timeline just 400 years before the coming of Christ. But from a more close-angle view, what was happening at this time among the Jewish people in the land of Judah? It's important to understand that the book of Nehemiah takes place after the 70 years of the Babylonian captivity, where the people of the land of Judah and Jerusalem, the capital city, was besieged, and the temple and the walls of Jerusalem were destroyed, and the city gates burned to the ground in 586 BC before Christ. The Jewish people at that time were mostly either slaughtered or hauled away to Babylon for 70 years by King Nebuchadnezzar. What was left of Jerusalem, the city of God, was utter decimation, and the fortresses of the city were reduced to like a pile of rubble. All that had transpired was directed by God and was in direct fulfillment of God's word declared by the prophets for 70 years of captivity in a foreign land due to the people's persistent sin and rebellion against God. Then in the Lord's providence, God raised up King Cyrus and later king the Medes Persian Empire that had formerly conquered Babylon. The Bible tells us that God stirred up the heart of King Cyrus and had him declare in 538 BC that the Jewish people could now return to their homeland, specifically to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple, the house of God, and that Cyrus, a pagan king, would actually pay for it. Well, that's amazing. 
There were three different returns of the Jewish people back to their homeland in Jerusalem that was led at different times by different people. The first return was led by Zerubbabel in 536 BC. The second return was led by Ezra, the priest and scribe, who was also a contemporary of Nehemiah in 457 BC. And then the third return was led by Nehemiah, the cupbearer of the king turned wall builder and the appointed governor of the land of Judah in 444 BC, which is the specific timeline and background for the beginning that we see in Nehemiah chapter 1. From the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonians in 586 BC until the time of Nehemiah in 444 BC, the city's walls had been left in shambles, leaving the city of Jerusalem unprotected and unsecured for at least 142 years. So how was Nehemiah a man on a mission? Well, God called his servant Nehemiah and enabled him along with the people to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem in 52 days. 52 days. To give perspective of this remarkable feat, it took Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem less time to rebuild the entire wall of Jerusalem and the closed city gates in those 52 days than it takes most people to scout out a new home, close on their agreed contract, and move in. However, the broken walls and the burning gates were only part of the problem. Jerusalem's physical condition of broken down walls was an outward sign of not only a broken city, but also of a broken nation and a broken people who had broken God's laws. Nehemiah may have thought he was coming to only rebuild the wall, but God had so much in store for Nehemiah and his people. God had a plan and God had a mission for a servant Nehemiah. God used Nehemiah to rebuild the wall, to rebuild the city, and also to rebuild the people. In fact, the whole book of Nehemiah can be structured into this threefold division. To rebuild the wall was Nehemiah chapters 1 through 6. Rebuild the city, specifically Nehemiah chapter 7. And rebuild the people, the nation who had rebelled and walked away from God and his word. Well, that's Nehemiah chapters 8 through 13, which is the remainder of the book. So there is no question from start to finish, from Nehemiah chapter 1 to Nehemiah chapter 13, that Nehemiah, he viewed his mission as his job from God to complete. No matter the obstacles and the outright attacks, whether external from without or internal from within, Nehemiah remained focused on his mission and refused to be deterred, distracted, or discouraged. But what was the secret to Nehemiah's success? And how was Nehemiah able to be faithful to his God-given mission? Well, not only because of dogged determination as a man on a mission, but also because Nehemiah was a devoted man of prayer. The prayers of Nehemiah crisscrossed the entire book of Nehemiah from cover to cover. There are at least 10 recorded prayers of Nehemiah that are sprinkled throughout. For example, in Nehemiah chapter 1, it begins with the opening prayer of Nehemiah crying out to the Lord, pouring out his heart like water for the condition of the broken wall, the broken city, and the broken people. And then Nehemiah chapter 13, the last chapter of the book, it ends with Nehemiah's prayer to be remembered by God as one who sought to do what is good and right for the people before the Lord. Nehemiah's prayers were not necessarily lengthy prayers, but rather punctuated and to the point prayers, which indicated that Nehemiah prayed frequently to the Lord and was quick to ask God to hear and intervene. In fact, the greater the intensity of the need, the greater the intensity of Nehemiah's prayers. For example, when faced with the threat of outright opposition, Nehemiah's first response is to pray. Later, when Nehemiah discovered the mounting sins of God's people breaking their newly signed and sealed covenant agreement with God, Nehemiah combined his immediate response of confronting and rebuking the people with continued prayer. 
Nehemiah was not only a man of prayer, but also God used Nehemiah to teach the people to pray. Two chapters in Nehemiah are almost wholly dedicated to the prayer of God's people, including the longest recorded prayer in the Bible, Nehemiah chapter 9, where God's covenant people confess their sin of breaking God's laws and desire to renew their covenant vows before holy God. As one reads the book of Nehemiah, it's clear that Nehemiah was not only a man on a mission and a man of prayer, but also Nehemiah was a man of extraordinary leadership. You know, modern-day secular books and Christian books are filled with numerous definitions of leadership. However, leadership can be defined in one word, influence. Chuck Swindoll, in his timeless lessons on leadership from the book of Nehemiah called Hand Me Another Brick, states, you lead someone to the degree you influence them. Nehemiah exhibited three major influence leadership roles throughout his life as described in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah first served as a king's cupbearer, and then as the wall builder for the approved project and the appointed governor of the land of Judah. Even though Nehemiah took on various positional roles throughout his career and service to the king, Nehemiah demonstrated throughout his life practical wisdom and godly leadership. There are many leadership examples in the Bible, for good or for ill, and much can be gleaned and learned. But of all the leadership lessons in Scripture, the whole book of Nehemiah is an example of a man of extraordinary leadership and dedication and service to God. You know, in looking at the overview of the book of Nehemiah, I remember one day being jolted in my study of not only seeing the wide-angle view of the whole book and the background, and also the close-angle view with all the historical details and the general gist of the life of Nehemiah and his characteristics that marked him, but also by looking at and seeing the 40,000-foot view of the whole book of Nehemiah as it related to God's plan of redemption. So what was all this rebuilding in the book of Nehemiah really all about that took place just 400 years before the time of Christ? It is this, that God called and used Nehemiah to prepare his people for the Lord's first coming so the people would be ready to see the need for their Redeemer. But not only the Redeemer of Israel, but the Redeemer for the whole world. And who is our Redeemer? It's none other than Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, God, the Eternal Son, fully God, come in the human flesh. He is the God-man, Emmanuel, God with us, the Messiah, the long-awaited promised one. Just as God called Nehemiah to be his servant, to prepare his people for the Lord's first coming so that people would be ready to see the need for their Redeemer, so also God is looking for Nehemiah's yet today. You know, I do not know where we're at on God's timeline, but the time of the Lord's coming is drawing nigh, and every day is one day closer to our Lord's second coming. But until that day comes, what is God looking for? I believe that the Lord is looking for some Nehemiahs yet today, not necessarily gifted people or extraordinary people, for God's word tells us that not many who are wise, mighty, or noble are called, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. Rather, God is looking for humble, dependent, and willing servants who are called by God, whom God can use to prepare his people for his coming so they would see the need for their Redeemer. When I started writing my Nehemiah project, I came up with a totally uncreative title called Leadership Lessons from the Life of Nehemiah. You know, I do see lots of leadership lessons from the life of Nehemiah. He was a man on a mission, devoted man of prayer, and a man of extraordinary leadership. All that is true without question. But the more and more I study Nehemiah from bookend to bookend, I see a bigger picture, a redemptive picture, a redemptive story. Nehemiah 
knew his Redeemer, who was also the Redeemer of Israel. That's why Nehemiah saw himself simply as a servant of the Lord, his Redeemer. God used Nehemiah's life not just to build up things, but to build into people and to prepare people for the Lord's coming so that others would know their Redeemer too. But what's so amazing and stunning is that the same call that God had upon Nehemiah's life, who knew his Redeemer, is our same call yet today. Do you know your Redeemer? Do you know that you're part of God's people and also part of God's plan? If so, that's great. But God also wants to use you like he did Nehemiah so that people will be prepared for the Lord's coming and that others would know their Redeemer too. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you join us again next week as we continue this journey through the book of Nehemiah together. Until then, God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Telling Future Generations, the radio ministry of Child Evangelism Fellowship of Illinois. To learn how you can partner with Child Evangelism Fellowship to reach children in your community, please call 309-688-9699 or visit cefofillinois.com. Please join us again next week at the same time for Telling Future Generations. Child Evangelism Fellowship of Illinois invites you to a fall fundraiser called Held Captive by God's Love with special guest speaker Gracia Burnham. Gracia is an author of In the Presence of My Enemies, where she shared the riveting account of being held captive as missionaries in the Philippines for over a year by a Muslim terrorist group. Yet God, through His grace, has enabled her to fly again. Gracia is now held captive by God's love and is a living testimony of trusting the Lord even in the midst of suffering and difficult times. The CEF event will be held on November 4th at 6 p.m. at Bethany Community Church in Washington. It includes a dessert buffet and the sharing of CF testimonies and ministry praise reports and updates. A special offering for CEF will be received. There's no cost to attend, but please RSVP for planning purposes at cefofillinois.com or call the CEF State Office for more information at 309-688-9699.